Chapter Thirty Three of the Convict by G. P. R. James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirty Three. The least perceptible gleam of grey light was shining in the eastern sky. The stars were twinkling clear and large with hardly diminished brightness when, from the door of a house in the midst of wild woods and beautiful savannas, came forth two men and took their way across a patch of half-cultivated land before the door the dwelling itself was an odd-looking construction but not altogether unpleasant to the eye the principal building was a long range on the ground floor constructed of masses of very white stone neatly hewn and joined together while above what seemed a single room with two windows unglazed towered above the rest with a flat roof all the way along the front ran a little balcony supported by rough trunks of trees and decorated with the wild vine while along the edges of the walks which had been carefully laid out through the cultivated patch i have spoken of were little trellises of lathe and twig partially covered with an immense variety of climbing plants the whole had an air of comfort and neatness and security as it were which spread like an emanation of the social spirit into the scene around and took from it that appearance of desolation which dudley felt so much in his own wilder though more beautiful habitation for about five miles norris walked on by the side of his guest of the preceding night and then they came to the edge of a low melancholy lake in the midst of the thickest part of the scrub as the low woods are called in which the dark blue hues of a heavy dawning sky were reflected varied with lines of light as the rising sun caught upon the edges of the dull clouds three large snowy white birds were hovering over the surface of the gloomy waters and through a break in the woods beyond a dull orange hue marked the horizon where the day was appearing the canoe was found where they had left it on the preceding evening and as they got into the frail bark norris remarked it will save you fifteen miles of heavy march for the tarn is very narrow here but on foot you would have to take the whole way round which makes the distance well nigh sixty miles to the foot of mount gambier from my house i have never been there myself but so the scoundrel brady told me not so far i think replied dudley but i trust mr norris you will come up to my lonely dwelling ere long for sad and desolate as a residence there was before it will be even more so now my own fate was a dark shadow but i still had confidence in human nature i thought it capable of crimes undoubtedly committed under strong temptation or sudden passions but the black page in man's character which you have opened to me has made me feel sadder than ever it is another confidence gone mr norris and that is always painful we grow grave as we grow old answered norris paddling his canoe with no mean skill because we lose the delusions which fill youth with smiles but do we not grow wiser too sir nevertheless do not let the discovery of some things in the world which you did not know induce you to judge too harshly because you had before judged too leniently it is in the just appreciation of men and things that lies the wisdom which gives no merriment but much tranquillity i have learned some hard lessons lately mr dudley as well as yourself but they have not made me misanthropical i have found that there are worse men in the world 
feebler men in the world deeper crime and deeper folly than i thought but at the same time i have found devotion more high and pure honesty more incorruptible and wisdom in simplicity more beautiful than even my enthusiasm had ever figured it is as wrong to undervalue as to overvalue men to hope too little from them as to expect too much but for you brighter days undoubtedly will come and with them hopes and enthusiasms which revive like flowers refreshed by dew as soon as the sun of success arises i am too old for such things but i hope i have found peace i trust that it may be so in your case replied dudley but i will indulge no hopes in my own they have branded me with the name of felon can they ever wipe out that stain they have severed ties which can hardly be knit again even now i know not the extent of the evil and from my experience of life i am inclined to believe that human hope even in despair so much outstrips probability that when ills of any kind are to be suffered and endured they are sure to be much greater than foresight reckoned upon it is a heavy view of life indeed answered norris but yet i hope you will find yourself mistaken no one can tell however and as i have been deluded myself by others i will take no share in deluding at this point the conversation dropped for the time and was not resumed again till they were nearing that shore of the lake which was next to mount gambier there norris left his guest upon the bank adding a few more cautions and instructions in regard to the productions climate and inhabitants of new holland and wishing him heartily good-bye turned his canoe and rowed or paddled towards the other side of the lake dudley walked on with his gun under his arm while the glorious light of the rising sun spread broad over the whole scene the morning air was fresh and he felt invigorated by repose and society but still his mind was sadly depressed and his eyes were more frequently bent upon the ground than raised to the woody scene around him or to the glorious sky above at length however about four hours before noon he paused for a moment in the midst of a wide savannah surrounded on every side by magnificent trees to gaze at the park-like appearance of the landscape which had reminded him strongly as had been the case with brady of some of the most beautiful parts of his native land the memories that it called up were sweet but a well of bitterness sprang up in the past turning the whole cup of life to gall as he looked around with a slow and contemplative gaze he fancied he saw a dim shadowy figure creeping quietly along amidst the tall boles of the trees on the edge of the wide meadow if his eyes did not deceive him it was the form of a tall man stealing through the second or third row of cedars which were there very thick and though he watched intently he could not catch another glance of it and he could only guess that it was one of the natives who on seeing a white man had plunged into the deeper parts of the scrub or had hidden himself behind some tree or bush he knew that the aborigines were fierce and cunning especially the milmendura who were said to frequent that neighbourhood but he was well armed and did not feel much apprehension for he had heard that the greater part of the tribe were down at the coorong a great salt inlet of the sea many miles distant or at the lakes in the same neighbourhood with one or two he thought if he should meet them 
he could cope easily at least on open ground and he consequently walked on without any appearance of suspicion though he kept his eyes upon the scrub as if looking for game the cedars were succeeded by a large patch of tall stringy bark trees having no brushwood beneath them and there he twice more caught a sight of the dim figure flitting along almost step by step as he advanced and then sheltering itself behind one of the large trunks he had now no doubt that it was that of a man watching him which certainly was not altogether pleasant especially as the dark colour of the native skin so much resembled in the shade the object amongst which he was moving that it was with very great difficulty he was distinguished at all when dudley arrived at the spot where the savannah ended he chose a passage through a more open part of the belt of woodland which separated it from a still larger extent of grazing ground and kept a keen watch upon his right that he might not be attacked unprepared he saw nothing and heard nothing however for five or six hundred yards till he was just issuing forth again into the meadows beyond and had his eye upon the top of mount gambier seen over the wavy outline of the scrub but then a cry was heard more like the sudden yelp of a dog when hurt than any sound produced by a human throat and something came whizzing through the trees towards him the natural impulse was to jump aside at once but before he could do it a long and apparently heavy spear descended within two yards of him burying its sharp point deep in the ground and quivering as it stood nearly erect like a young tree newly planted dudley instantly cocked both barrels of his gun and looked towards the spot whence the missile came but nothing was to be seen but the trunks of the trees with here and there a little patch of underwood no moving thing was within sight but the branches gently agitated by the fresh morning air pulling the spear out of the ground the wanderer carried it away with him as well as his gun and walking quickly on got as fast as possible into the open ground again which now lay before him unbroken for an extent of nearly three miles a wood of tall trees was prolonged upon his right and on his left was a piece of uneven bushy land between the meadow and a sterile tract stretching to the seashore but between the two covers the space of open meadow ground with nothing but a solitary tree starting up here and there varied in breadth from a mile to a mile and a half so that by keeping a middle course he was out of reach of spear or arrow sent from beneath the trees he walked on then quietly looking around him indeed from time to time but displaying no sign of fear or haste and more than once he thought he caught sight of a native in the wood who did not venture to come out into the open meadow by the time he had walked to within five or six hundred yards of the end of the savannah the sun had gained great power and the length of the shadows had diminished considerably before him lay some miles of country neither exactly wood nor exactly pasture but undulating and broken with a number of scattered trees and large clumps of mimosas and cedars together with thickets of various kinds of shrubs and juniper bushes rising to an unusual height that there was one enemy at least near dudley had already proved sufficient and the track through which he had to pass before he could reach his mountain dwelling pace was undoubtedly well fitted for the attack of a subtle assailant there were a thousand places as he well knew 
for he was now entering a country which he had frequently explored whence a concealed enemy might hurl one of the tremendous spears of the country without exposing himself even in the least degree after short consideration dudley resolved to seek a resting-place at a little rising knoll in the savannah shaded by two or three mimosas and at the distance of fully three hundred yards from the wood hoping that if the savage who had been watching him were alone he would get tired of waiting for an opportunity and leave him to pursue his journey without further molestation he seated himself then laying down his gun and the spear beside him but not removing the axe from his belt as it was there readier to his hand and taking some provisions from his wallet he began his frugal meal still keeping a wary eye upon the country round he had just finished the portion of food which he allowed himself and had drunk half the water contained in his gourd when he thought he perceived a curious undulatory movement in the long dry grass at no great distance the wind had fallen away so that it could not be produced by that cause and he felt sure that a snake let its size be what it might would have crept on its way without such evident signs of its progress turning his eye a little to the left he saw the long grass agitated in a similar manner and starting up at once he cocked his gun again and pointed it at one of the spots where the motion was apparent the act of rising gave him a better view and he now distinctly saw several dark objects moving towards him whenever the grass was thrown aside a little as they advanced he hesitated an instant unwilling to sacrifice human life but knowing that his own must depend upon decision for both the spear which had been hurled at him and the insidious methods of approach now adopted showed that if they were men who were creeping up they must be enemies he took his resolution and aiming well fired at the object which had first caught his eye in an instant with a wild yell rose up six or seven tall and frightful savages with long curly hair bedaubed with grease and ochre one the moment he had reached his feet fell back again amidst the grass but the others posing their spears lightly for an instant discharged them all at once at dudley with an aim fearfully accurate the exceedingly brief pause they had made however to direct their missiles gave him enough time to jump behind the nearest mimosa three spears passed on one side one on the other and two struck the tree and tore off a large portion of the bark the wanderer had but short time for consideration for after having cast their spears the savages rushed on with clubs and other weapons of their own construction shouting and screaming wildly snatching up the spear of which he had possessed himself dudley set his back against the tree aiming the second barrel of his gun at a tall powerful man who was the foremost and seemed to be the commander of the party his situation was desperate indeed but he determined to sell his life dearly his gun made him certain of one of the enemy and he calculated that what between the spear he held and his hatchet he might bring down two more but three still uninjured would remain even when this was accomplished and unable to throw the javelin with their force and precision as soon as his gun was discharged each savage had an advantage over him which must in the end overpower resistance the leader of the natives however seeing the barrel of the fowling-piece directed towards himself and probably fully aware of its fatal effects 
both from what he had seen that day and previous knowledge halted suddenly and then spoke a few words to his companions in their own tongue the effect was instantaneous the men separated at once and running round the clump of trees with the second spear which each carried poised in their hands prepared once more to attack from a distance and from every quarter so that some one weapon was sure to take effect seeing that he must die dudley still aiming at the chief was dropping his finger on the trigger when to his surprise the man fell back upon the ground with a loud shriek and dudley might have been tempted to imagine that it was a feint to prevent him from firing had he not at the same instant heard the sharp report of a gun succeeded instantly by another while at the same moment a second of the savages sprung high up into the air dropping his lance with a fearful yell a loud cheer from the side of the low bushes followed instantly and the assailants finding themselves assailed by arms and numbers superior to their own fled as fast as they could go one of them throwing his spear in haste at dudley before he went but only grazing his shoulder slightly in consequence of a hurried and ill-directed aim thanking god for his preservation dudley turned towards the spot from whence the cheer he had heard proceeded and beheld a party of five or six men advancing from the scrub one was on foot but all the rest were mounted and dudley to his surprise recognized in the pedestrian the vigorous form of norris whom he had thought full twenty miles away the young wanderer advanced at once from under the mimosas to meet his deliverers but as he came nearer the aspect of one of the horsemen seemed familiar to his sight associations sweet and happy rose up which he had not suffered to visit him for years hopes undefined and vague but bright and glorious swam before his eyes and with a beating heart and giddy brain dudley stopped unable to take another step in advance End of chapter thirty three